I'm not sure that there is necessarily one secret to success because I am a big believer that success is self-defined. Success looks like whatever you want it to look like. That could be becoming a millionaire or a billionaire, having this massive company. It could be just being able to support your family. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Jared. And of course, joining me is Miss Christine. How are you, Miss Christine? I'm good. Good. How you doing? I'm behaving. And today we are very fortunate to have Jandra Sutton. And the reason we're fortunate to have her is she's a writer. She's an entrepreneur. She's the founder of The Wildest Co., which is a creative agency offering content creation, marketing, and business strategy for busy entrepreneurs and small business owners. She's also the host of the Wildest Podcast, a weekly personal development podcast in 10 minutes or less. In a nutshell, basically, Jandro helps empower people to ditch the fear and build their dream lives. She also has a pretty cool TikTok channel. Jandra, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Likewise. And so we like to start out asking a random icebreaker question. So we'll just start with that. And that is, what is the best concert that you've been to? That's a good question. I think. Gosh, my absolute all-time favorite concert that I've ever been to was the Wombats when they played in Nashville at Mercy Lounge. They're a British band that I have been a fan of for many, many years, and they were on tour in the United States. And my husband ended up buying me tickets as a surprise because he knew how much I loved them. Cool. And I ended up in the back of the venue with my shoes off. And this this was pre-COVID, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but I had my shoes off and I was like just in full focus singing and dancing mode because I was so in tune with this music because I had been listening to this band for like 10 years. Mm. And I'm pretty sure the lead singer noticed me because I was probably one of the only people in the room who knew every single lyric. (laughs) But that was a a really good show for me. That sounds like Christine at the podcast movement. I heart. No, my shoes never came out. I was at that party and when Questlove played Smells Like Teen Spirit, I just like oh, yeah. lost my mind. It oh, was yeah. amazing. Yeah, I was I, I was jumping a little more than, than I probably should have been. Um, yes. But yeah, that, no, that was yeah, that was a lot of fun. I think I have it on tape. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't. Yeah. Christine, please delete that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I've not heard of the Wombats. I feel embarrassed to admit that. I'm going to have to look them up. So they're good. They're you have good a, a, an album of choice or, or a, a song um, that is your go to? It's a it's the album title is really long and it's my favorite album. And I'm, I know that I always get the order wrong. It's like a guide <laughs> to love, loss, and desperation. I can't remember off the top oh, of my head. Okay. I never can. It sounds, um, sounds but it's like one a healing their, album. Yeah. It's one of their first <laughs> albums. It's it's not. <laughs> it's, not. <laughs> it's a fun. They're they're a really okay. fun British like pop rock band. So very upbeat. Well that sounds right up Christine's alley, right, Christine? <laughs> you already know what <laughs> I do, I do. All right. So next up, Christine's gonna do a finish this sentence. We're basically giving you a sentence and you finish it. Jandra. So Christine, go ahead. Here we go. All right. So finish the sentence. And when you realize that no one really cares what you do because they are really focused on themselves, blank. Repeat that one more time. Sorry. <laughs> when you realize that no one really cares what you do because they are focused on themselves, blank. Finish the sentence. When you really, when you realize that no one cares what you do because they're focused on yourselves, there is so much freedom in that. Interesting. Now we could leave it there, but that's not how we roll. So yeah, I'd love to hear your take on that. 
So I think for me, I have always been a people pleaser. I am someone who just, I love working with other people. I love helping other people. I really grew up service mindset, service oriented. That was very much drilled into me from a very young age. And I like that about myself, but it comes with a downside of being overly focused sometimes on what other people are thinking about me in that service and questioning, am I doing enough? If someone mad at me, you know, am I going to get fired from my job? Things like that. And one day I remember actually having that realization that nobody really cared what I was doing because they were too focused on themselves. And I actually came up with an analogy that helped me feel so much better about it. And I would ask people this whenever I was doing coaching calls, or I would just be talking to a friend. And then whenever they were struggling with focusing too much on what other people were thinking about, I would say, okay, what's your most embarrassing moment? Everyone always has something pop up into their head. We all do. It's really common and that's fine. But the next question I would ask would be, what is your best friend's most embarrassing moment? Or what is the most embarrassing moment of the kid that you went to third grade with or the person that you saw on the street last week? Chances are you probably can't even remember that person, let alone their most embarrassing moment. And because you can't, because you're not focused on their stuff, you're not focused on their potential shame or embarrassment or anything like that. No one else is focused on yours. And when I realized that, that's where I found, like I said, a lot of freedom to do what I want, to be the person that I wanted to be, and to not constantly be looking for reasons to shame myself. So yeah. Oh, that's, that's a good mindset. I, I, I do yeah, want the record true. to reflect that I, I do keep track of uh, Christine's uh, embarrassing moments. I do not have any. <laughs> Thank you very much. I do what I do. And I did that. And, and, and she has, she has never cared once what I thought. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. so, so Sandra, would you rather multitask or go out in public without wearing a mask? I would rather multitask. <laughs> And I'm not a fan of multitasking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I was like, okay, you don't like multitasking. Why, why don't you like multitasking? So I've always been someone who's really obsessed with productivity. Growing up, I was the kid who read Time Magazine. I read Fast Company as a kid mm -hmm. because I thought Fast Company was the coolest magazine. So it was a really <laughs> big win when I finally got to write for them for the first time. So I've just always been looking for productivity tips, tricks, hacks, things like that. and. About gosh, two weeks before the pandemic started, I was actually diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 30, which was a big shock oh, wow. to be a 30-year-old finding out that you have ADHD. And it's something that had played a big role in my life and my formative years without even knowing it. And I think that's part of why I was so obsessed with productivity because I was looking for tips to help me cope with something that I didn't realize I was going through. And as a result, one of the things I learned over the years is that multitasking is more or less a myth. We can't multitask effectively. Like I think if I remember the statistic correctly, it's something like 2% of the population can actually multitask effectively. The rest of us are just going through the motions we're pretending. And I think <laughs> that it's because when it comes down to it, true multitasking, like you can, but what we feel like is multitasking is really just being busy and feeling busy because we have conflated busyness and the feeling of busyness with feeling like we're effective and efficient and getting things done, if that makes sense. Oh, I'm guilty of that. Yep. Yeah. All right. Another finish, finish the sentence. My favorite experience from podcast movement was blank. I have a few. Obviously, the Questlove party <laughs> was really fun. But I was sitting in 
it was on the first day and I was sitting in Noor's talk and I apologize if I just completely mispronounced her name. I'm terrible with names. And she did an exercise at the end of her talk where she had us all write down a complete the sentence where it was, if <laughs> someone really knew me, they would know that I blank. And she gave us a note card and we all had about two minutes to scribble something down to finish that sentence. And then she collected all of the note cards anonymously and mixed them all up. So no one knew who had written what. And then she read them all off. And it was astonishingly powerful and moving that they all had something in common. So a lot of people were writing about, if you really knew me, you would know that I'm actually terrified. If you really knew me, you would know that I'm struggling with imposter syndrome. If you really knew me, you would know that I just love people and I just want to serve. If you really knew me, all of these things. And then the great part about it, the really, really wonderful part was at the end when she read all of them and it somehow seemed like they were all read in a magical order, even though it was completely happenstance. She said, I want you to raise your hand if you related to a card that wasn't your own. And every single hand went up in the room. And it was just a really powerful moment of knowing that. And I think the way that she put it was that my story is your story and your story is my story. And that there is something in what we're sharing with each other through podcasting that other people can relate to in some way. And that was something that was really, really validating. And it was just a wonderful moment to hear. I left that, that talk completely in tears. So yeah, I really like that moment. Wow. That, I thank you for sharing that. I did not yeah. get to experience that, unfortunately. And uh, wow, that, that is, that is a, it sounds like an amazing session. You are the CEO of the wildest.co or .co. I want to hear more about your agency and what compelled you to start that. Yeah. So let me think for a second. (laughs) Um, So I started the agency actually in the middle of a pandemic. I was working at a PR firm at the time, and I have been working for different PR agencies on and off throughout the years. Previously, I worked in publishing and in marketing, and then I was transitioned over into working into publicity. And as I was working with this really wonderful company that I absolutely adored working with, we were working with a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of nonfiction authors, and some podcasters who wanted to be known as thought leaders, who wanted to be innovators in their space, but also had businesses that they were running. And a lot of them were beyond the initial starting off point. So they were solopreneurs, but they had already been in business for a year or two or more, and they were struggling with finding support. So they were hiring us for PR, but then I kept having these clients that would come to me and say, you know, where do I find someone who can put together a PDF? Where, do I, where can I find someone who can put together a PowerPoint presentation that is actually affordable, but still really good quality without me having to spend hours combing through Fiverr? You know, where can I find someone to put together podcast artwork or a promotional image for my podcast, things like that. And I went to my boss and I asked her, can I provide some of these services to select clients as needed? Because there are some that were completely unrelated to what we were doing as the PR firm, but I didn't want to like step on anybody's toes or take business away or anything like that. And she said, yes, absolutely. Because it was very much supplementing and helping out our clients. And as I started doing it, I had one client in particular who sent me an email and said, Jander, I just love that you've become my person. Whenever I need help with something, no matter what it is, either you do it or you find me someone who can do it. And I realized that that was an opportunity for me to continue to serve these entrepreneurs who were you know, a little bit further beyond the just starting off point 
and being their person. So that's when I had the idea to start the business because as someone who is a little bit of a jack of all trades, I've got a really varied career history, you know, having done a lot of different things, I've worn a lot of different hats. I realized that doing an agency model meant that one, I could bring a lot of different people in under the agency and utilize a lot of different creative freelancers talents without necessarily needing to go out and hire a bunch of people or anything like that. And quite frankly, I had a lot of friends who were freelancers who didn't want to be hired. They didn't want full-time jobs, but they wanted to be able to find good work. And I was like, wow, I can be the connector here. Mm -hmm. And in that process, when I finally did have the idea to go ahead and start the agency, I realized something that I had that this was the kind of the final nail in the foundation, which that doesn't make sense at all. But I have always been terrible at negotiating for myself. It is something that I have struggled with for years. I've been a freelancer in the past. I spent two years as a freelance writer. And I was just never very good at negotiating for myself or arguing on behalf of myself. When I started my own business, I realized that I was negotiating on behalf of the people that I was working with, the freelancers that I was hiring. Mm. And that was easy. It was so easy for me to negotiate on behalf of my friends, on behalf of these wonderful, talented freelancers that I was working with and get them rates that were not only what they were asking, but nine times out of 10, I've been able to get all of the freelancers I've worked with higher rates than what they'd come in asking for while still delivering incredible quality work, high value that's still affordable and a little bit more flexible than traditional creative agencies. Because I think for a lot of these entrepreneurs, they don't have the budget to hire someone for a $10,000 a month ongoing retainer. But they do need someone who can provide flexible work here and there, maybe one or two months ongoing, maybe just like a little couple of pieces of work here and there as needed. And yeah, that's something that I really like providing. And I felt like I was really good at filling that need. Well said. Yeah. You started the Wildest Podcast. Um, have you enjoyed doing the podcast? And um, what are some of the things that you've learned since releasing the show? Yeah. So I originally, I will admit that I did not enjoy doing the podcast. Oh, um, no. <laughs> when I first launched the podcast, I definitely did it as something that I felt like I should be doing. Mm. Um, okay. Because as an entrepreneur, as a content creator, and as a writer, especially, I felt like I should be putting more of my content out there. I had previously been doing YouTube and I was struggling with continuing YouTube because I hated staring at myself while I was editing. <laughs> um, oh it was God. just so hard to be staring at your face and to be picking out every single little flaw, you know, every two, two minutes of footage. Um, so I was like, well, maybe I'll just do a podcast because that way I, sh you know, I should be putting myself out there more. I should be creating more content. So when I first started it, because it was so driven by shoulds, I really struggled to be consistent with it. And I think I only released like four or five episodes in the first few months of the podcast being out. And I ended up hitting this point where I was working on the podcast. I was working on a newsletter that was intended to turn into an app. At the time, I was working on you know, a book. I was working on a bunch of other projects. And I realized that all of these shoulds were weighing me down. And I didn't know which things I actually wanted to do anymore. So I decided that what felt like, you know, constantly juggling a million different things. And if I stopped one, then I would just, gonna, everything was going to fall apart. I decided to stop everything. So all of the things that I felt like I should be doing, I just stopped and I let them fall to the ground. And over the next, gosh, it was about a year where I started to 
gradually pick some things back up because I found renewed interest in writing again and really wanting to put my words back out there in connecting with my audience again. And I actually, that's when I started my TikTok account. And as I was creating content on TikTok, I feel like I really hit my stride and my content exploded. So after a few months of semi-consistent posting on TikTok, I had my first video go viral. And then I had my second video go viral. And that one hit over a million views. Um, And as that exploded, after hitting about 40,000 followers in the seven months that I was creating content on TikTok, I started getting consistent comments on my videos saying, we want more than a minute. And TikTok at the time only did a minute long videos. And I went, huh, you know, I have a platform (laughs) where I can go into these topics a little more in depth. But what was really unique about it was that I had already had the idea for the podcast to only be 10 minutes. So that ended up being perfect because I had this audience that was primed for a minute long content only, but they wanted something more than that. But going into anything longer than 10 minutes was probably not going to really work if I was like bringing people over from a platform of scrolling, you know? Mm. Um, So I thought about it for a while. I decided to bring it back and... I absolutely loved it because suddenly I was like doing something that felt more like a choice, something that I wanted to be doing, talking about subjects that I wanted to be talking about. And I finally started getting like, I started getting suggestions from listeners. I started getting comments on my TikTok or DMs on social media saying, Hey, can you do an episode about this? I'd love it if you could talk about that. And Hmm. that, that really helped as well, (laughs) just to keep the, the motivation alive as I got back into it. And now it's just been really a great experience from when I restarted it to now. I'm glad. Yeah. Um, I've actually listened to a few of your recent episodes and I am. Yeah. I think you're doing something that is very beneficial and good. So um, one of the topics you had on a recent episode uh, inspired this question. Should a person feel bad about feeling bad? Absolutely not. Um, like you said, that was, a topic that I discussed in a recent episode of the podcast. And the reason why I wanted to talk about it was I kept talking to friends and seeing people online saying, I just, I know I shouldn't feel bad. I know things are okay right now. I know my life is great. Or I know that people have it worse than me, so I shouldn't feel bad. And I kept thinking, one, how invalidating that is to us and to ourselves. You wouldn't say to a friend, Hey, I'm, you know, who's saying, Hey, I'm really sad right now. You know, you shouldn't feel that way (laughs) because that doesn't, that doesn't help. That doesn't help them move through it. That's not very kind. I certainly wouldn't say that to any of my friends. So why am I saying that to myself? And I think learning how to self-validate, which is the, the topic of that podcast episode is really important because it's not about agreeing with an emotion. It's not about agreeing with why you feel bad. It's about agreeing with the fact that you do feel that way. It's like, right. and I use this example in the, the podcast episode, it's like feeling cold. For instance, if I tell you I'm feeling cold and you say, well, I'm not, that's ridiculous. It <laughs> change the fact that I feel cold. Even if I quote unquote, shouldn't feel cold, even if you disagree with why I feel cold and our emotions are the same way. They're a a physiological response in our body that deserves to be felt and needs to be felt in order to be processed and understood and then moved through. There we go. Yeah, that's well said.
What advice do you share with someone who's trying to figure out what they want in life? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. For me, what I ended up needing to do was take a little bit of a step back, like I mentioned earlier, and let a lot of the shoulds fall away and take a look at what really felt aligned with who I was and what I wanted, not what I felt like other people or the world or society expected from me. And that's not really a great answer to the question because it's kind of like repeating (laughs) the question (laughs) saying, you know, just do what you want. But I think for me, it was all about realizing that we have built up the idea of doing what you want until it feels so intimidating to think about choosing the one thing you're going to do with the rest of your life. When in reality, it's okay if that changes. I'm someone who has changed what I want more times than I can honestly count. And originally, I felt like that was holding me back. I felt like it was slowing me down. I felt like I was never going to achieve the things that I wanted to achieve because I was hopping. When in reality, I was getting the thing that I wanted. And once I had... There's a really great book that talks about... What is it called? Refuse to Choose. And it talks about hopping, people who tend to hop from thing to thing to thing. And in the book, she talks about how for some of us, it's about finding out what the nectar is. If you're a honeybee, there's one thing that you're going for when you're going to a flower. That's the nectar. And once you get it, you move on to the next flower to get the nectar from there. So when you think about what you want out of life, you have to think about what's that nectar for you. So for me, originally, I wanted to do political journalism. And when I pursued that, I realized that I didn't actually want to do political journalism for the rest of my life, (laughs) but I wanted to get started in it. I wanted to put some of my thoughts into paper. I wanted to get published. And I did. And once I got that nectar, I moved on to the next thing, which was actually writing fiction. And then as I wrote fiction, I grew my audience. I published my first book. It came out. It went. It was very well received. And I got the nectar. I got that thing that I wanted from that experience. And then I moved on to the next thing. And I realized that that was okay. And once I realized that, that it was okay for me to move on as I chose, and that it was okay for me to change my mind, there was so much less pressure around deciding what I wanted to do and around figuring that thing out, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think uh, Christine's nectar has a little, has something distilled in it, but I I might be wrong. Please stop stop now, Jared. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're oh, we're God, laughing God. because yeah it's it's the weekend okay all right here we go so it, it can be easy to avoid opportunities <laughs> to fail at all costs because failing's not fun so i want to hear from you jandra how can failure be a good thing so we all know the cliche that says you know failure is proof that you're trying mm-hmm. but for me making my peace with failure involved just looking at the odds. So I have used this example in blog posts. I've used it on podcast interviews. I'm writing a book right now and it's part of the book. But I always tell myself, let's say that there's something that you want to achieve, like writing a book, for instance. If you don't do it, if you don't write the book, then there is a 0% chance that that book will ever come out into the world, which is the thing you want. So 100% chance that it'll never happen, 0% chance that it'll happen. If you try, if you go ahead and write the book, if you go ahead and put yourself out there, there's still a chance that that book will never come out into the world. There's a chance that it'll come out into the world and nobody will read it, that nobody will like it. 
but there's also the chance that it will succeed. So if you have the chance of failure in both opportunities, failure meaning the thing not happening, then why not at least take the path where you have the option, the opportunity to succeed? And when I looked at it that way, it became very black and white that, well, why not? Why not try something? Because yeah, I might fail. I might fall flat on my face, but if I don't try it, I can't succeed. If I'm afraid of failure so much that I hold myself back from even taking one step in that direction, then I'll never, I'll never reach my goal. There's no possibility of me doing that. Life doesn't work that way. Nothing's just going to fall on your lap. So that's something that really, really helped me make, like I said, make peace with failure and be able to move towards it instead of like running away from it. True, true. Now, what are some ways to get motivated? Like when you don't feel like getting important things done, some ways to get motivated. This is a really good question. And I think when it comes to motivation, I'm a big fan of Mark Manson has this concept that we tend to think about motivation as the, the precursor to action. When in reality, action is the precursor to motivation. So if you're struggling with feeling motivated, something that I recommend, and this is what Mark Manson talks about, is you start with action. So I'll start my day with a small action that will create momentum that will generate that motivation to move me into the next thing. So I'll start by getting up and by making my bed. And from there, I'll go into something that's a little bit bigger and something that's a little bit bigger. And it's kind of like, you know, rolling up a snowball. You can't always move, you know, just build a snowball as huge as you want it in the first try, because that's really, really hard. But you can start with something small. You can start pushing it around. You can start working your way up to the big thing. And you'll find more often than not that it does build momentum. And by building that momentum, you can get into doing something that you weren't feeling very motivated to do. But beyond that, other things that I use to help when I'm not feeling very motivated, I I'm a big advocate of bribing myself. <laughs> I think that bribes really, really help. If you're not going to get dopamine from the task at hand, like if you have to check a bunch of emails and you just hate checking emails, get your dopamine elsewhere. You can check your emails. And once you're done, you can order yourself your favorite food on Postmates. And that's where you're going to get the dopamine. That's the reward to bribe yourself to get it done. So yeah. All right. So based on your experiences, what do you say is the secret to success? I'm not sure that there is necessarily one secret to success because I am a big believer that success is self-defined. Success looks like whatever you want it to look like. That could be becoming a millionaire or a billionaire, having this massive company. It could be just being able to support your family. It could be having you know, a couple of passive income streams so you don't have to work full-time. Whatever that is, the secret to success, because success is so individualized, the thing that will get you to it is going to be individual as well. So that's kind of why, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's all of the thought there. Yeah, let's just stop right there. That, that was, yeah. Okay, Jandra, you spent a lot of time reparenting yourself. Can you tell us what that means and why it's important? Yeah. So reparenting is a skill that I actually learned in therapy over the last like year or two. And I was talking to my therapist about my struggles with figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. And she asked me, I want you to imagine your 11-year-old self. 
And at the time, I remember sitting in therapy and being like, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. Why am I imagining my 11-year-old self? I don't want to have a conversation with my 11-year-old self. This feels so silly and like, you know, a little bit out there. But, you know, I was paying for this time and she's good at what she does. And I really love my therapist. So I was like, I guess I'll just trust her. And I was like, okay, I'm imagining my 11-year-old self. And she said, okay, what does she look like? What is she, what is she doing? What does she want? And I started describing to her what this version of myself looked like. And I realized that she just wanted to play. And in the middle of therapy, I started crying as I said that to my therapist. She just wants to play. And she said, how can you give that to her? How can you give her play? Because it's something that you want. You are that version of yourself. And that was a moment for me where I started to understand what reparenting really meant because it's about being what you needed when you were younger right now. So in those situations where you're struggling with your mental health, where you're struggling with a lack of motivation, where you're struggling with like confidence, anything really, you can go inward and have a conversation with, okay, you're struggling with confidence. What's going on? What do you need? How can I be there for you? It's having a really honest, open, and non-judgmental conversation with yourself and meeting those needs for you in a way that you would an 11-year-old child. You know, you wouldn't say to an 11-year-old, you know, just suck it up, just go out there, you'll be fine. I mean, maybe you would, but (laughs) um, more often than you're not, you're going to have a a really nice conversation with them where you're like, hey, it's okay to feel self-conscious. What can we do to make you feel a little bit more confident? Do you want to change your outfit? Should we do your hair? Like what will make you feel good? And that's what I think reparenting is, at least for me. And I think that it can be a really, really useful and powerful tool for anyone who is looking to move through some difficult things, especially if they've got kind of lingering traumas from childhood, et cetera. All righty. We're going to start to wrap up here, which is a little bit sad because I'm really enjoying your your wisdom here, Chandra. But who's doing something that interests you? That's a really good question. Christine. Honestly, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I am a I am a huge fan of Rachel Rogers. If you haven't heard of Rachel Rogers, she's the author of We Should All Be Millionaires. And I like that title. Yeah, it's a great title. Her book came up on a recommendations list for me, and I, I ordered it and I started reading it. And it's primarily written for women, especially women of color, but it it can be read by anyone and it should be read by anyone and everyone, especially if you want to be an entrepreneur. And reading that book for me was just astounding. There was so much wisdom in it. And I follow her on Instagram. Everyone should follow her on Instagram because she's just, I feel like she's changing the game when it comes to entrepreneurship, especially for women. And what she's doing is just phenomenal. And so I've just been following along, fascinated by everything that she's done and super excited for what she's going to do next. What is the best place for the listeners to connect with you and your TikTok and everything? So my username is at Jander Lee across all platforms. And that's (laughs) J-A-N-D-R-A-L-E-E. But yeah, every single platform, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, everything like that. I love connecting with people. My DMs are, as I say, always open. And yeah. Good. Okay. Our final question. Do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? I mean, I guess you should check out the Wildest podcast. I hear it's a great podcast and it's only 10 minutes or less. So they should uh, okay. go hit that up. It's on your favorite streaming platform across the internet. Well, they absolutely should do that. And uh, we're oh, going to make sure that that is linked in the show notes. Uh, Zandra, we are very proud of you. And thank you for taking time to 
share your expertise and your, uh, yeah, your thoughts today. This is helpful. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Cool. And people will hopefully check out the podcast and your TikTok as well. Yeah. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.